you are about to experience an experiment. It's not one of those days where I feel like God has called me to speak about things and I rush into the studio and speak with you. I do experiments like that from time to time. And to be frank with you, I love those days. Uh, I absolutely love it when I feel it's not me doing the speaking. It, it's the best feeling in the world to be used. Isn't that oxymoronic in a way? Isn't that strange? Uh, that it feels good to be used when you're being used by the Lord, or you think you are. I'm pretty sure I'm not smart enough to say some of the things that the Lord says through me at all. But this is an experiment with a friend of mine, Heidi Harris. Heidi has been in radio for a long time, uh, very successful in, in what she does. She's a podcaster, continues to do a radio show. And Heidi and I have been throwing around the idea for about six months of what would it be like to try to do a different show that, of course, you know me, God has to be at the center of this. But what would it be like if we did a conversational show that did it the way no one else will do it? What would that sound like if we said the things other people will not say in conversational shows? Because, you know, I've done a chat show and it was god awful. It's horrible. And one of the challenges was we weren't friends. To be frank with you, it was a boy band situation. Now, Heidi and I are friends. And while we've not known each other a long time, we are friends. We share a worldview. So you're about to hear an experiment uh, complete with um, some moments during the recording where you hear we kind of stepped on each other a little bit. You might hear a little echo in the background. And normally I would go through and clean this up, but I want to share this with you as the podcast family. Obviously, I wouldn't do that if I didn't trust you. So I want to get your feedback on this little example of what would it sound like if we occasionally did a show that Heidi wants to call Herman and Harris. The Todd Herman Show is 100% disapproved by big pharma, technocrats, and tyrants everywhere. Now, from the high mountains of free America, here's the Emerald City Exile. Todd Herman. Today is the day the Lord has made, and these are the times through which God has decided we shall live. Times such as these represent a moment where we have to make decisions and choose we shall. Either passively or actively, we are always choosing. And we choose in terms of what we do with our finances. You can do the store it than a mattress thing, which is the funny little cliche from the cartoons. You can put it in the savings account, which is a funny little thing from the cartoons. But understand this, any financial um, instrument in which you invest, is it doesn't really stay there. I mean, you give it to an institution, right? So let's say that you put it in a savings account. Okay, you put it in a savings account. Well, that's safe. Guaranteed rate of return, a small rate of return, almost, you know, negligible in some cases. What do they do with it? They trade it really actively, algorithmically, aggressively, because they pooled all this money together. And they've got a super smart set of quants and mathematicians who say, we can get this risky with this percentage and less risky with this percentage because we know we have to pay these guaranteed returns. 
course, they're in land, they're in commercial real estate, they're in the yin, they're, they're in all sorts of things with it, but not us. Zach Abraham at Bulwark Capital Management takes a different approach. He takes the big boy techniques to us, but not the big boy skullduggery. His focus is risk management. His focus is telling us the truth about the chaos economy. And he's been doing it for a decade. For a decade, he's been talking to us about, hey, 0% interest rate loans, which is what the, uh, the mobbed up companies are giving one another. The government and the companies, that can't sustain itself. The 60-40 stock bond mix, that doesn't work now. So I'm going to ask you a question. Do you know your portfolio is ready for the chaos economy? Can it withstand it? I would suggest that you call Bulwark Capital Management to find out because that focus on risk management, it's their zeal, it's their focus, it's their obsession. They're at 866-779-RISK. And by the way, the closer you are to retirement, the more risk you have. 866-779-RISK or go to knowyourriskradio.com. Investment advice cannot be given without a client services agreement. Bulwark Capital Management's an investment advisor representative. Check Financial LLC and SEC registered investment advisor. All right, so it's experiment day. We're going to try this as an experiment. My friend Heidi Harris joins us all the way from Las Vegas, Nevada. A uh, What are you, a purple state now down there? Oh, brother. Well, I'm hoping it goes back to red. I mean, it's looking pretty good. But then again, it all depends on who counts the ballots at the end of the day, doesn't it? <laughs> I think it was Joe Stalin who said that. No, wait, I'm sorry. It was Joe Biden. I forgot. But they did. he said it's... Uh, oh, no. Okay. It's, uh, whoever counts the, uh, the buffaloes, uh, ballots... Let me sniff you. He sniffed a lady again. Did you see that? <laughs> He's got a problem with sniffing. He's always sniffing someone's hair, sniffing a child's you know, neck or something. It's very creepy. He, there's a young woman, I got to say, she might not even be, I hate to say this, but might not even be 18. So therefore a girl. And he said, oh, what side of your chest do you want this pinned on? Let grandpa cross over in front of you and pin this on you right above your breast. Now let grandpa just lay on a smooching lip-to-lip kiss on you because grandpa likes to kiss the girls and, <laughs> and this is normal. It's outrageous, you know, and they were worried about something that happened with Trump in a dressing room with some woman 35 years ago. They were all outraged about that. Meanwhile, right. Biden's out there all day long and no, nobody cares. Nobody bats an eye. He can do whatever he wants to because he's, you know, just crazy Joe. It's OK. <laughs> That's the ultimate defense, you know, that he is. Right. And it's, it's, we're going to talk later about victimology. Actually, it's not victimology, it's victim movements. And um, they're potent and they always end violently. We're going to talk about that. But let's start with this act of violence um, against Paul Pelosi. And uh, for all the Pelosi lawyers listening, we're going to mix in our opinion with some of the known facts on this. Um, and we'll be very careful about our opinion. <laughs> right? Because Pelosi's lawyers are going to be all over this. Do you think? I think they're listening to what everybody's saying about the situation. Listen, you and I have seen the stories. We don't know what the truth is, but we do know that the very first night, my first question was, how did somebody break into the Speaker of the House has got to have amazing security? How does someone break into her house in the middle of the night? And if that person was going to do that, why would they bring a hammer if they were going to try to assassinate somebody? It turns out that wasn't even the guy's hammer. It was Paul Pelosi's hammer. So as this is rolled out... It's become less and less believable. Is, is that a fair statement, Todd? Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, to be fair, the guy who got in is a Navy SEAL uh, and was in the teams for 15 years. 
uh, and had studied sort of that uh, egress entrance in secret. Oh, wait, no, I'm sorry. I had that wrong. I was talking to some Navy SEALs earlier. No, this guy was part of the uh, uh, Cuban nudist community, as I understand it. This is what now this is the, the information I'm seeing who stood around naked uh, and apparently had written on his body, no war, et cetera, and then had an awakening and a Q awakening. But yeah, the, the, the question I would have is there are about 1,400 security cameras on that street. It's the richest street in San Francisco, perhaps. I've seen pictures of overlapping security cams. Be pretty easy to show the guy walking up in his underroo um, and then, you know, uh, <laughs> quietly scaling the side window. And then the other question I have in this is, is Paul Pelosi a laborer? Uh, I don't know where he even got a hammer, right? Because didn't it turn out to be his hammer after all was said and done? A hammer? Can you imagine anybody in the Pelosi family with an actual hammer hanging a painting? Or what, what did he have that for? No, uh, I can't. And and uh, there's a lot of things I could imagine. And one of the things I could imagine is the prostitutes. And I'm not saying this guy was a prostitute, but I'm saying I suspect he was a prostitute. It's my suspicion and my opinion as someone who gets to state their opinion that Paul Pelosi had hired him for sex acts. And uh, look, they're hedonists. Let's just be honest. The Pelosi family are hedonists. Is that even a stretch? I don't even know that that's an opinion, although stated as one. In my opinion, they're hedonists. You know, I'm trying to figure out if I'm going to pay for it, I'm upgrading. You're going to look like Matthew McConaughey or something. Not this guy. I, I'm just saying, if, if, you know, Heidi, if I'm going to have to pay far, money, I don't even understand these people. How far down this rat <laughs> hole do you want to go? Because I will tell you that there are, I, I, I don't want to get into the details because we don't need this stuff in our heads. Let's keep in our heads what is pure, what is good, what is nice. But I will tell you that in the San That's Francisco right. scene, um, in the same sex attraction scene, and in the in the and I know this because I used to live there, and and I one day picked up one of their newspapers and went, "Dear God in heaven, really?" Um, there are people who want to be humiliated, and they want to have sexual relations mm. with street people. They want to be around people who are not physically clean. Um, they want to be around people who have nothing, no way to get at them. I mean, what what resources would this guy have to go at the Pelosi family? That's so interesting, Todd, because I never thought about that. I guess there are people out there. It's not humiliating enough to be Nancy Pelosi's husband. So I guess you have to reach out to some street person, maybe, if that's the case. And we don't even know that that's true. <laughs> I, you know, but, but it's interesting. I never even thought about that because that's not the sick world I live in, nor is it the sick world that you live in. But there are a lot of very twisted people out there. We're not saying Paul Pelosi did that, but there are people, as you're mentioning, who are into things that you and I can't even imagine. And and that's what's so weird about this story. We don't know what happened, but why is it? Have you seen any video camera of this guy breaking into the house? Anybody got it on any cameras or anything like that? Or no, I mean, the, uh, to me, in my judgment, the odds of this guy breaking into that house uh, are almost zero. It wouldn't be odd for a guy to be in his underwear walking around San Francisco. I, I mean, no one's going to care because <laughs> people walk around naked. This is a true story. <laughs> I mean, you call the cops sometime. Yeah, there's a naked guy in my footstep on, on my doorstep. Uh, is he wearing a mega hat? No. Okay. Well, you'll be fine. All right. Uh, or he's, you know, cooking drugs in my backyard. Okay. Well, don't, don't let him spill none. And I guess so, the bar's gotten pretty low for, for getting the cops, I guess, anymore. Okay, wow. But let's go through this. Then there's also the uh, unidentified person who is there. So the cops come, an unidentified person opens the door. I would think that the cops might be interested in that person's identity, don't you? You'd think they'd want to know, but then again, yeah, there's there's so much more to know. And then when you heard the nine one one call, where he said, oh, "I don't know the guy, but his name is David." Okay, well, 
I haven't heard that. I've heard the dispatch relaying the 911 call saying uh, the um, uh, the reporting person, the RP, says he does not know him, but his name is David and he's a friend. And right. he, he sounded confused. Well, then there's also this, and this is a big one for me. Um, I'm sorry, but Nancy Pelosi is third in line to be president, God forbid, a billion times. There is no chance that House doesn't have human security. Absolutely not. And you know, what's so interesting, too, is that they piled on. It was bad enough when this whole thing first happened. And my nose was twitching from the beginning. But then they pile on and say he's walking around the house with a hammer saying, where's Nancy? Really? Is he really? Are you? Did anybody even believe at that point? You talk about strain and credulity. It was over at that point. Nobody was buying that. Well, or the bathroom break. You heard about that. Yeah, that he went into the bathroom or something, right? Because his phone was charging. Well, Who charges their phone in the bathroom? Well, I do. But Paul Pelosi, um, I do. I keep it away from my you bed. Do. But Paul Pelosi, um, so he, this guy, he stealths in with his super secret Cuban naked dancer skills. And he scales the wall and slithers in through the side window. The third party who's there, who's unnamed and unidentified, doesn't scream. They don't call 911 because why? And Paul Pelosi, who is being confronted with a home invasion, apparently doesn't scream, except maybe he did because there was a wellness check. They weren't there responding to a break in or an alarm. Cops were there in a wellness check. Um, and as this is all going on and this guy's get out of my house and, and where's Nancy? Don't you talk about my wife? I'm a I'm a strong man. And, and then he goes, oh, by the way, I'm also 82. I need to take a bathroom break. I'll be right back. He goes into the bathroom and then he comes back. Why does he come back? Yeah, I don't understand that at all. And I also don't understand, you know, if if he and we, we don't know if he yeah. let this guy in and if they were friends and they had a special relationship, which who knows if that's true, because there's really no evidence of an actual break in, as you mentioned. Why? What? Where would the hammer come in? I mean, at what point did it turn bad? You're going you know, to make me say it aren't badly you? to where you're going to have yeah. to pull out a hammer. You're going to make gonna, me say it. Aren't go you? ahead. Go ahead. Say it. I'm going to I'm going to make you speculate, Todd. You think there was a financial transaction that didn't go? Nope. I mean, I'm trying to figure out why all of a sudden the hammer was involved. I think I know. What do you think? Well, go ahead. You, you know, you can guess. I'm guessing mentally. It's not illegal to guess. Okay. All right. You, you're not picking. I'm up just on trying it. to figure out how these things. Okay, but I'm just trying to figure out. It was the guy crazy. I, 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 Is, I, I don't, no, I'm not picking up on it. Okay, let me say it this way, having spent a lot of time around cops who are um, are involved in getting people out of sex trafficking. Um, there are good Johns and there okay. are bad Johns. And there's no good John. I mean, you're using someone's body for your fleshly desires. You are at least encouraging adultery, if not carrying it out. And, and you're fornicating and all that stuff goes against the word of God. But there are Johns who right. want to do really bad physical things to people. And there are even naked okay. Cuban uh, prostitutes, perhaps, I'm not saying this guy is one, who reach a line and say, you are not doing that to me. Okay, that makes sense. That makes total Ish. sense. Although you'd think they would have agreed to, if if indeed this is how this went down, and we don't know for sure, but if that's what it was, if it was a transactional situation, let's put it that way. Aren't we being yeah. so careful? Isn't it fun? Can, uh, can you, if, uh, if it were transactional, you would have thought. Yeah. Yeah. Can you testify to the to fact say? that as we been, began talking about this, my studio went dark? 
Did it go Truly, totally dark? All my lights are still on. That's weird. All the big spotlights are still right. on, but it is like 50 degrees less light in here since we've been talking about this. That's and weird. Everything's still on. That's Every, very there's weird. Nothing's changed. Hmm. Very, right. very strange. Anyway, what okay, I was saying about the it. transaction, even if yeah. there were, yeah, even if there were a transactional situation here, even if, even if, you would have thought they would have agreed to terms ahead of time. If, if, can't be sure. Yeah, but when you're on meth, and I'm not saying that Paul Pelosi's on meth, and I'm not saying he's not, but if you're in that world, that, look, here's the thing. Let's look at this from a, from a religious, you know, godly perspective. When nothing is forbidden, all is allowed. When you right. are the husband of, of, of Nancy Pelosi and you are engaged in constant insider trading, and on that, I'll just say that's a fact. Now, come and sue me. You guys are inside traders. Come and sue me. We'll go to discovery. Nancy Pelosi gets a deal done and she goes to China. And that same day, they're moving stocks around and her kid's there and he's involved in a company. And, oh, look, uh, microchips. And we passed this bill and, and they move money into microchips just prior to it passing, right? Taiwanese microchips. When you are able to get away with that and you're able to get away with a grift that's put, I don't know how many hundreds of millions of bucks in your pockets, why would you actually be concerned about what a uh, what the least of these think? And why wouldn't you abuse the least of these when you you know uh, perform right. abortions at monumental industrial levels and, and you're getting grift on the back end for this? Why would you not do that? Right. That's a really good point. And listen, if they have an arrangement... And, and we don't know what their situation is. So a lot of politicians have arrangements, so to speak. And if you've got an arrangement, that's your business. But a lot of people will say, your personal life's none of my business. Well, it is if it bleeds over, and it is if you can be blackmailed. And we've seen that happen many times with people in high-ranking positions or somebody finds something out about them, and the next thing you know, they're blackmailed, they're ineffective, they're not going to vote the way you voted them in to vote, or whatever it may be, they've basically been neutered. I've seen that happen with politicians I've known personally. They have been neutered because the other side had something on them. We'll let you stay in office, but you're just not going to be effective for the conservative side or whatever without getting into names. We've seen it happen. So, yes, it is our business when these kind of things go on. And it's our business also when they're trying to make this narrative uh, completely fake. I mean, the idea of, oh, where's Nancy running around with the yeah. hammer? I mean, does anyone believe that? I keep going back to that. That Talk about pushing it beyond any kind of boundaries of intelligence. Well, let me, let me just uh, – let me call your bets on intelligence and raise. And I'll ask you a true or false question. No, truly, I uh, true or false. Um, I have been blamed for this. Blamed for what? For the Pelosi attack. Oh, you mean right wingers have been blamed, or no. you personally have been blamed? Personally. Why, not, why not, were you blamed? Not, not, not in terms of How's swinging the hammer, but I caused it. According to the Washington Post, true or false? And how was that? Because, um, well, nothing. I wouldn't put anything past those guys that they they would actually accuse because they've already tried to accuse the right wing of all kinds of things. Anybody who believed in January sixth uh, was okay with that, which you and I were not. But anybody who believed there were shenanigans that went on during the election, which we do, things like that, all of a sudden we're responsible for a hammer attack on some guy in the middle of the night. Really? So you're going with false. Uh, well, I know you're not responsible, but what did that happen? You actually got blamed for this? I'm asking you true or false. You got you got to choose a direction. It's a it's a choose your ending story. 
Well, I don't know about you personally, but I think we have in, in talk radio have been uh, right wingers have been accused of this. So I, I'm going to have okay. to go with uh, I don't know. I, I, I would they go after you personally? Do they really do that? Well, I'll tell you in a second, but you're going to take us into an announcement I need to make because we're doing this as an experiment. So yeah, the break. it's an experiment, but it's interesting. The larger issue, we'll talk about you and, and whether or not you were accused of this, but right-wingers in general have been accused of this. I mean, I, I, mean, I mean, two seconds after this news broke, lefties were on Twitter accusing anybody who's a right-leaning talk show host of this. It's our fault. Absolutely. Okay, great. I'm Heidi Harris. This is Herman and Harris. Uh, so the thing about the break um, that we give ourselves mentally is you'll tell yourself that getting too much fat on your body is not your fault. In some ways, that's true. I know that sounds counterintuitive for like a conservative to say, but that's true in some ways because we have the food pyramid. And the ridiculous and awful food pyramid uh, was invented to get you to eat grain all day long and cheese all day long. Had nothing to do with nutrition. It was lobbied. So for those of us who grew up with the food pyramid and ended up putting a whole bunch of fat on our bodies, well, in that way, we can say it's not our fault, but now we're grown adults. And we have the capacity to change this, but it involves resetting and getting your, your own great reset. Let me say it that way. Your own great reset, physical great reset, biological great reset, metabolic reset. And if people at Soda Weight Loss at SodaWeightLoss.com do that for you, well, they don't do it for you because you have to follow the program. But here's the deal about them. They are very, very scientifically sound. How do I know? P-values. What's a P-value? You should, if you have a solid thesis, be able to make a prediction. They make predictions on how quickly you lose fat. And guess what? It comes true. Why? Because they are scientifically sound. Then it's not just the science. That can sound very soul or cold. They're also from a healthcare background, not a disease care, healthcare. Consequently, a lot of them have been through this program and they understand how hard it is, but they'll also be there to celebrate your success. I've seen it once again. I had dinner with a dear, dear relative as close to me as you can get. And her face was just a glow. Absolutely. As she continues on the soda weight loss program. And that's not to mention all the listeners who've done the same thing and had this tremendous success. Over 7,000 reviews on Google reviews, average 4.8 out of five stars. It's sodaweightloss.com. S-O-T-A weightloss.com. I'm Heidi Harris. You're listening to Herman and Harris. Todd Herman's with me. We are having a little fun today, doing a little experiment, aren't we, my friend? Because uh, life has become an experiment to a large extent. Talking about the whole situation with Pelosi. And as we went to break, you kind of challenged me. You said, do you believe that I was personally accused of being responsible for the attack on Paul Pelosi? And I know talk radio has been, but were you personally singled out as responsible for this? Then, yes. Uh, In 2012, no, 2010, I led a fundraiser for the RNC called Fire Nancy Pelosi. And it was simply to fire her from her role as Speaker of the House. That is the number one bullet point in a fact pattern that the Washington Post laid out that said led to the assault on Nancy Pelosi. This is in 2010. And this, uh, Heidi, this took three authors three authors to write this piece and literally my team and me as the guy who led that effort are top of mind 
as to why 12 years later, a guy who's apparently it may well be in drug-induced psychoses uh, was able to scale, uh, sneak through security in his underroo and scale the wall and slither in and afford Paul Pelosi a, a bathroom break before he took the hammer that was there because Paul Pelosi is a construction worker on the side. My fault. True story. So 12 years. Boy, that guy had a long fuse. 12 <laughs> years he waited, huh? At least there's that. Yeah. I mean, he gave him, he saw that fire Nancy Pelosi thing. Note to self. In a little while, get into their house in my underwear and beat the guy with the hammer, but don't start hitting them till the cops get there. <laughs> right? Now, see, here's the thing is, with the sacred victimhood that the left in this country has created, and they have created the sacred victimhood, it's fascinating to me that, that they want to take this guy and make him, okay, a mega assailant. Uh, there's a psychiatrist, or pardon me, a psychologist who studies victim movements and he talks about how they always end up being violent uninjected when the victim is not gratified by the rescuer she becomes an abuser and when the abuser witnesses the behavior of the rescuer he tries to be the rescuer so everyone cycles what i'm trying to say is that the potential for aggression and even violence in victimhood movements is much larger than in the general population. And even I would go as far as saying that it's equal to psychopathic movement. So what, what he's talking about are movements that end up taking victims and amassing them into a political power base. And it's not just political, but it's also industrial. It's healthcare. You, you, you take the invention of the fake um, syndrome of being transgender, being born in the wrong body that doesn't exist. That's a big enough base now that you're looking at a $5 billion business and you have sort of very crazy and, and ill people and, and we should pray for them like Dylan Mulvaney deciding to jump on top of that and be the face of it. Dylan Mulvaney getting paid to do that by you know, a man getting pretend to be able to pretend to be a girl, not even a woman. And this makeup company, I think it's called Ultra, is, is sponsoring this guy's you know, transfer into girlhood. And what he's talking about is in our society that there is this, this race to victimhood, this sacred victimhood. And you may see this with young people that they can't amass enough psychoses and enough challenges. And well, I don't just have an eating disorder. I also have body dysmorphia and also I have um, OCD. And they will stack these things up as if they are achievements. And this stands out to me because in this case, this guy's a very troubled guy. No matter what we think of him or how, you know, what we, what we think he did or how he got in, he's super troubled, but he is now enemy. But the victim, victims have been made sacred and in fact, virtuous in our society. And I, I just, I see what that's done to young people and it breaks my heart. Well, victimhood never helps anybody. I mean, obviously, we, you weren't around blaming everybody else for what's happened. There's nobody who doesn't have a story about what's going on in their life. Somebody screwed them over or something bad has happened, whether it's been a result of your bad decisions or not. So when these people tend to wallow in this and they focus on that, they wake up every single morning. I had a friend, a black liberal guy who used to do radio in New York City, and I met him at a radio convention. Great guy. I loved him dearly. Big liberal. We disagreed on politics, but we just didn't talk about that. And they would get on Facebook Every morning when Trump was president, because I was up at three in the morning, get ready for morning drive. So it's 6 a.m. his time. And I would get on Facebook and I'd see him posting the horrible things about Trump. And I sent him a note and I said, my friend, you know, I adore you. But do you really wake up every morning upset that Trump's president? 
And he said, yes. And I said, why? Because Obama was president for eight years. I wasn't happy about it for one second. But honestly, it never affected my mood every day. I talked about it on the air when he did something stupid or whatever, when it was pertinent. But I didn't wake up in the morning mad because Obama was president. But these people are consumed. He also would tell me, always walked around with this victim idea. Somebody was, you know, persecuting him because he was black. And I mean, if that's the way you deal with your life every single day, I don't know what to tell you. In the case of uh, Dylan Mulvaney, I mean, with Ulta, you know, supporting Ulta Beauty, supporting him, I, you know, it's not a girl, it's a guy. And if they really cared about people, they wouldn't be, listen, you and I don't, I don't care what adults do. If you want to take a part off or add a part, that's between you and God. It's none of my business. But when you're doing with the kids and you're telling a kid who's 10, 12 years old, eight years old, they may be a different sex. It's crazy. You and I both know we've talked about this on our shows that you are basically creating a medical patient for life. We know it's evil. We know the suicide rate is through the roof of the, for these people and all that. But if you want to, let, Ulta wants to sell makeup to people who are, you know, whatever. Fine. Last time I was in Ulta, as a matter of fact, I was waited on by a guy who was clearly a trans. He was a guy, but he was clearly trans, whatever, a woman more makeup on than I've ever worn and the whole but he you know did a good job of taking you know care of me the weird thing is you don't know whether to say thank you sir thank you ma'am at the end of the transaction but if they really cared about these people they wouldn't be trying to encourage it and even beyond that the so-called trans community that is so welcoming to these people and trying to bring them into the community the minute they try to de-trans the community absolutely turns on them we see that all the time right but let me challenge you in something you said that victimhood doesn't help anybody I don't. I don't think it helps your life. I think think you may feel like you're getting attention, but ultimately, do you think ultimately it will? I mean, no, no pun on the Ulta. I mean, at the end of the day, these people can't be happy. You look at. No, well, how do you think it's happening financially? Well, because he's him? now he, he's a spokesperson. He's now got power. He just sat down across from the guy we're supposed to call president of the United States. He got to interview Joe Biden. He got to demand that Joe Biden endorse um, surgically and chemically mutilating children. That's helped Dylan Mulvaney. It's helped Ilan Omar. Ilan Omar is, you know, representing people who've been horribly victimized when the United States rescued them from Somalia and from other countries, war-torn countries like that, and allowed them to come and live here and give them educational opportunities and often federal dollars. And they've been horribly, horribly, horribly victimized in that way. You have um, the mayors of New York who represent the victimized criminals. And they can't possibly be held to account. We just had Kathy Hochul during her debate with uh, Lee Zeldin. Uh, he kept banging on her saying she's not even talking about crime. And she actually said, look, everybody faces consequences when they commit a crime. I don't know why it's important to you that they go to jail, I, you know, that they're put away. It's, it's helped her. <laughs> look, it, it's helped um, now that you have entire like the White House is running on. Um, the right wing is disappearing men who pretend they're women and killing them and doesn't want kids who are confused about their gender to have access to schools. And it's so victimhood, when it is amassed into a political social movement, helps a lot of people. It's helped pharma. It's helped, you know, and the danger that you get here in that, you know, this, this psychologist explained is when this reaches the point of victim movement, like Black Lives Matter Incorporated was a victim movement. Antifa is a victim movement. Look how violent they've become. And they recruit people and tell them, yes, you've been victimized. They recruit these sort of people. But it's also creating this, this effect, I think, with young people where they say, okay, I may never get famous. 
I may never be financially successful, but dang it, I can be the biggest victim. Do you not see that uh, with kids that you observe or, you know, uh, uh, friends, kids or you know, younger kids? Yeah, and I've seen that with kids and I've seen that with adults that absolutely they get attention at times. I think when I'm talking about how it doesn't benefit them long term, it doesn't benefit them. But you're right, on the short term, can they make money off it? Can they get some notoriety from it? Absolutely. But when you look at a person like, you know, what's his name now? Uh, I want to say Bruce Jenner, Caitlyn Jenner. I mean, does he look happy? He's still dating women. Why? Wait a minute. What? (laughs) Am I missing something? You don't see these people as being happy. And clearly, this is giving them something to do every day to get out of bed and and look at the world as transphobic or whatever it might be. But ultimately, at the end of the day, when these people are committing suicide in something like 20 times higher numbers, how is this uh, the right thing to do with the BLM people? They're not going to ever have a successful life. They're running around uh, trashing businesses and things like they're never going to live successful lives. They're just going to wake up every morning looking for some kind of trigger and something somebody says or does, and it's a miserable way to lead your life. But you're right, they can make some money from it, they can get some notoriety, they can get elected to office, no question about it. But long term, is it going to benefit them? We know it's not. Well, you can also you can also fold the country. Communism was a victim movement. Right? Mm-hmm. Nazism was a victim movement. They were victims. Okay. Oh, we're victims of uh, of the Jewish people. And um communism right. was we're victims of the bourgeoisie. And that's the point of intersectionality and intersectional victim, you know, creation is you eventually get all these people into one victim group. And who's the problem? Well, now you pick your scapegoats in, in the cultural revolution in America, the scapegoat is white people. Um, and specifically white Christians were the ones doing all the problems. That's how you end up with, like, we were just talking about San Francisco and Paul Pelosi. I, I will never forget the first time I saw a PLO, um, you know, a Palestinian liberation organization parade was in downtown San Francisco. And I saw Leathermen, you know, same sex attracted dudes, uh, with hairy chests and, and, you know, the big chained necklaces and such marching with the PLO. And I was a young kid, but I knew enough to go, man, if you go to the Palestinian territory and are promoting same-sex activity, you're going to get pushed off a building. You're going to get right. dropped off a 10-story building or that's burned right. to death. And that's the – that's so when people are so – been uh, allowed themselves to become so spiritually blind, they end up blind to the realities. You are marching with your enemy, right? People who not didn't just dislike the fact that you're same-sex attracted and active, they want to kill you for it. And you're marching and you're carrying their flag. So that's, that's what I'm talking about. This stuff all, you know, and not to mention it, I know that this is a touchy subject, but then there is the, um, the victimhood of, of Tom Brady. And, uh, you were telling me about this because I don't pay attention to these things. So we come back on, um, what did we call this in the experiment? Herman and Harris or Harris and Herman? Which one? Uh, Herman and Harris. I think Herman and Harris sounds better, don't you think? Which one sounds better? I just think it sounds better. Yeah, Herman Herman and Harris. Harris? I think it sounds better than Harris. Herman and Harris sounds better. Yeah, Herman and Harris. We'll continue the experiments. Heidi Harris with me. Pretty big day over here, you know, when we get a big company that reaches out to us. You know, we have been so blessed with Bulwark Capital Management and Soda Weight Loss and American Finance and and um, and Bonefrog and Allen's. And, and you know that when we got a call uh, that Mike Lindell was interested in meeting you guys, it was a big day for us because it's a very successful company. And I think I've told you the story. I got to interview Mike about uh, eight years ago for a couple hours. 
and I'm working on trying to find that interview so I can play it for you. But we talked about everything but pillows. And we started talking about pillows at the end. But we really talked about his spiritual journey and the fact that he was a falling down um, alcoholic, gambling addict, and other things, addicted to other things. And he got to this point where he realized, I can't do this on my own. I, I need to have God Almighty, the Lord Jesus and the Holy Spirit, you know, take me out of this because he realized his human capacity was not possible, not possibly going to get him out. When he gave his life to Jesus, um, he had these, these experience of, you know, what do I give back? I have been rescued, but for what? Well, obviously salvation is the number one thing, but it came to him. I've spent so many sleepless nights. Why don't I give the gift of sleep? That's how my pillow began. And then not being a wealthy guy, in fact, being the opposite of that, he um, turned to his daughter to make the first logo for my pillow. And so she drew it and he used it and he went to fairs and he put on that little headset and, and did the presentation of my pillows at state fairs. And here's where we're at now. The entire party structure is trying to destroy him. And yet they can't, they can't put a finger on him. You know, the FBI comes out and says, hey, give us your phone. He says, okay, I'll go buy another. Here you go. I'm not hiding anything from you. And it's the products that he stands on that make this possible because, look, we could do GoFundMes and, hey, let's bail them out of prison if they go at them. And, but it continues to be the value of the products. And I know that because I asked you before I agreed to, do, um, to endorse them. I asked you about their products. They're just as stellar as they ever were. Right now, when you go to MyPillow.com, Mike is going to give you the best offer ever. You'll receive a standard MyPillow for $19.88. Use the promo code Herman for special deep discounts on all MyPillow products. That's MyPillow.com slash Herman. And just use my promo code Herman for any of the products. Okay, H-E-R-M-A-N. My page again, MyPillow.com slash Herman. And remember this, these are made in the United States of America. 10-year warranties. Doesn't get better than a 60-day money-back guarantee. And you know who you're dealing with. It's Mike Lindell. So go to MyPillow.com slash Herman and use the promo code Herman to take advantage of these special deals and do this with a bit of uh, rebel heart. You're not going to take our Mike Lindell, my pillow from us. We're going to buy more pillows. I have this plan of having people show up at my house, liberal relatives, to spend the weekend. And they're sleeping on my pillows, but I don't tell them until the end of the weekend. I think that's the way to do it. Heidi Harris is with me doing an experiment here, Herman and Harris. Um, so run me through this uh, this Tom Brady thing. And I do know he's a quarterback. He's actually, it's actually, and this makes me unpopular, but he's my favorite NFL quarterback. And that makes me deeply unpopular. But I have a good reason for why. Why? Let's start with that. Why is he your favorite quarterback? I mean, he's considered by many people the greatest quarterback of all time. Why do you love him so much? I don't love him, but I mean, uh, in terms of quarterbacking, uh, I love the fact that he oh, got yeah. to a point in his career and he said, you know what? I'm not going to your weight room anymore. I'm not going to lift weights. Um, you know, the nutrition plan you have me on, I'm out. Not doing it. Uh, I'm going to be a long lasting. You know, I'm going to have longevity. I'm going to stay in the NFL. So I'm going to use bands instead of weights because they're gentle on my joints. Um, I am not out to be a weightlifter. Uh, I'm not out to have a, a big bench. I care about being able to throw the ball very, very accurately in a very long way. I care about being flexible so that when I am sandwiched between two 350-pound linemen and bent in all sorts of directions, I get up, I pop up, I continue. 
And my nutrition is going to be something I designed specifically for my body. And I'm going to eat the way I want to eat. And I don't know how much of this had to do with his wife, who I understand is a supermodel of some sort. And I admire that. And then there's the production. Right? No, there's the production. I don't know. Heidi, you got to understand something. I have no connection to the world. My connection to the world is news for show prep and things people say in the gym or at church. That's it. Other than that, I am the most, I don't know his wife's name. I don't, I, what? Wow. What? Right. what? You need to get out. Well, listen, I couldn't name one real housewife of anything, and I consider that a badge of honor. So I'm not up on all the pop culture either. Yeah. Uh, a lot of this pop culture stuff escapes me. Giselle Bunchen is his wife's name, and she is as rich as he is, actually richer than he is. And here's the thing. We don't know what happened with Tom Brady's marriage. There's no way for us to, I don't care Wait, if you're best friends with somebody, you don't Wait, really. Yes. Just this oh, last okay. week, they're officially divorced. We don't know what happened. I mean, I could be your best friend and not know what's going on in your marriage. That's the way it should be, really. Really? So they got divorced. But wait, wait, here's wait. The issue. You wouldn't I'm, tell your best friend yeah, if you had just marriage problems? Well, here's the thing, though. You would tell your friend your version of the marriage problems. So my point is, if you're oh. best friends with somebody, you truly don't know what goes on in somebody's marriage. You might think you do, but you haven't heard his side or you haven't heard her side or whatever else. So I don't know what happened in the marriage, but I do know this. That they're, they just got divorced this last week. They've got two kids together. He has one kid by Bridget Monahan, who's an actress who's in who's the, that? what's the, the show with the, Tom Selleck, Bridget Mon- Moynihan. Actually, I think she's prettier than Giselle. Well, he got her pregnant right before he married Giselle. Okay, just so you know, you got to keep track of all this stuff. But here's the point. I'm embarrassed that I know this. They were married 13 years. They just got divorced. Now, the rumor was, or the, I don't know, the story was, that one of the reasons they got divorced is because he was going to retire from football because she's lived in Boston, kind of put her modeling career aside largely to raise the kids and follow him and, you know, be there as a wife because, you know, he's on the road doing this and that. Okay, fine. So then they make an agreement. He's finally going to retire. I think he should have done it after six Super Bowls, but okay, at the top of his game. And apparently he unretired. So she finally had enough, so they say, and walked away once again, not knowing what's going on with their real life. But I will say this. When you get divorced, and I'm a child of divorce, when you get divorced, you better have a darn good reason to explain to your children, not necessarily every gory detail, but you need to be able to say to your kids, I gave it everything I had. Tom Brady does not need to play football anymore. Tom Brady has an over $300 million contract waiting for him when he decides to leave football and go in the booth. So he's got plenty of money. Already, He's already worth hundreds of millions of dollars. So is she. Had no reason to continue to play football. And even if even if that wasn't the reason she finally got tired of him, he should have still stepped away and said, I got a contract with Tampa Bay for this year. I've got a contract with my wife for life. I'm going to go fix it. I'm going to take my wife to Costa Rica where they spend a lot of time and I'm going to fix my marriage or give it everything I have. He did not do that. And that's the way I see it. You and I have both made a lot of decisions professionally, and all of them revolve around our marriage. What's the most important thing? Our marriage is more important than anything else. So, and I know we're not making the big bucks here. It doesn't matter. It's nothing to do with money. What's more important to you? So I see this as a guy who's letting his ego run his life. And a lot of people do that, male and female do this. And now the kids are, you know, Christmas here, Thanksgiving there. I don't care how much money you have, how many nannies, how many chauffeurs. It's just terrible. Breaks my heart. That's all. So you, you don't think that people are genuine with their best friends about their marriage and they're not able to tell both sides, like say, yeah, you know, no, no, truly, because this is where I think this is at with Tom Brady. I, I hate to get stuck on this, but I'll tell you where I think that we're at as men. Okay. Is it's I important. believe that there is, and I think this dynamic exists. 
that we do not develop true friendships that allow us to be that completely vulnerable, particularly men. And since I become a discipled man, and I understand what it is to be a disciple of the Lord Jesus, um, I am losing my capacity for deception. So how are you, Todd? Well, to be honest with you, I had a pretty significant argument with my wife. Uh, it ended well. And it ended with us, you know, making some important realizations, but pretty significant. And in return, I'm getting from brothers going, oh my gosh, me too. And how did you guys resolve it? And did you bring the, did you bring the Lord into this? Yeah, we did. And in fact, that's, I think what resolved it was bringing the Lord into this. Now, are the core issues resolved? Look, we've, we've, we're a trauma family. <laughs> there's, there's always always issues with trauma families, but there's issues with all families. I don't know that Tom Brady has that circle that goes beyond bro. Now that's me being judgmental. Mm. I don't know about Tom's faith life, but I can see the fruits of this. And look where I attend church when that's the wrong way to say it, where I, um, where I've made a church home, it is not uncommon for a brother to pull a brother aside and say, um, Hey, can I chat with you for a second? I was just watching that interaction with you and your wife in the parking lot. And are you sure you're showing the face of God when you talk to your wife that way? And it's this <laughs> true story, true story, true story. It's an accountability culture. No, true story, true story. Heidi, I was in downtown Corona wow. okay. and I saw a woman from our church kissing a man, not her husband. And oh boy. yeah, what do I do with this? How do I treat what this? What did you do? And well, I, I consulted the Bible. Can I minister to her? No, I'm a man and she's a woman. Um, can I go tell other people? No. Can I tell her husband? Well, what, what good was that do? And so I sought a sister of hers in one of her accountability groups. And I said, I have to tell you something really, really uncomfortable. And here's what happened. And I sat there in my truck and I made sure... Is that this person? Yes or no? Is it, is it her? 100% confirmed. Now, what and was the circumstance? Said, okay, Were they I'll standing in a parking lot kissing? Or wait, let, let back up a second because I want to hear this, the, the details. Were you, you saw them at, by, were, by, at a park? By the okay. entrance and of a sitting park. Sitting at a bench? Or? Yeah. Okay. Standing. And? Okay. And like, and like embracing and making out kind of thing. Okay. Got it. All right. Pretty much. And okay. so I had, a, I had a channel for that. And that's because I'm in a discipled environment. I had a channel, a place to take that. Because if I walk up to her and say, hey, I know that we've met at some events and had a few chats, and I know your husband better than you, but I saw you uh, tongue wrestling with the dude um, in a park in Coeur d'Alene, and I don't think that's part of the marriage vow. Um, that wouldn't have worked. Or if I'd gone there and said, right. hey, wow, can I chat with you? I'm, this is so uncomfortable, but I witnessed this. And, and towards what end? But taking it to a sister gave the sister an opportunity to go to her and say, hey, I am, it's on my, on my heart to talk to you about your marriage. And the update I got was that's the way she approached it. This is on my heart to talk to you about your marriage. And the lady broke down and cried and said, we're in a really bad place. And I've made some bad decisions. And it opened the pathway for this conversation for her then to say to her friend, to confess to her friend you know, I've been having sort of an affair and that's all I got. That's all okay. I deserve. Now it's, you know, her work and God's work. I don't know that, that Tom Brady has that because he's Tom Brady 
And how many people in the Brady sphere are willing to go to Tom Brady and say, bro, um, you have six Super Bowl rings and you're about to end your second marriage because your wife would simply like a partner. She'd like a full-time husband. And so maybe it's time to fold it up at six. Now it's seven Super Bowls. Maybe that's right, enough. Right. And and I don't know that that accountability circle exists around a guy with Brady's power and influence in the, in the NFL. Tom Brady's probably going to go be a movie actor. I hear he's been taking these acting classes. So they're afraid to go to him. But I will tell you this, in our environment, in, in our disciple environment, we have every license to go to our most senior pastors and to say, hey, I am concerned about you. In fact, it's not just license. We are requested to do that. It's this this... You know, this this brotherhood of accountability, and I love it, even when it even when I'm the guy on the other side of the uh, uh, of the questioning. You know what I'm saying? Right. No, that's that's a great point that you make. And when you get to a certain level of fame, you probably don't have a lot of people you can trust that you could go to and discuss these kinds of things that, you know, it seems as if this is just an ego play on his part, that he's just not listening to anybody else other than his own ego. And I and I clearly don't know the truth on this. And maybe she has some trusted friends she can talk to. Who knows? But but it, you, the larger point you make is very good because you're supposed to have a church family if you're a believer and you're supposed to be able to go to not everyone in the church, not stand up there at the pulpit and make a public confession about everything, but certainly have some people you can trust who would steer you in the right direction. And I think it's important when you are married to be around people who are also happily married. Not that you can't have divorced friends and whatnot, not saying that, but it's great to have that encouragement from other people who fought through things. I think that's very important. Yeah. But also people who are fighting through things. Right. Not right. necessarily people who've yeah, come out if on you the talk other to side people of the been married, Right. But, but if you talk to people who are married 30, 40, 50 years, I mean, you talk to people who are 25 and sometimes they don't see this or 35 and deal with young kids and all the stresses of goes with life and all that and the craziness and everything. You talk to them and you tell them, listen, talk to somebody who's 60 years old. 70 years old, who's been married 30 or 40 years, you think they haven't gone through the things that you've gone through? They've gone through everything you've gone through. Job changes, deaths in the family, moves, finances, maybe even adultery, all these. They've gone through the same things you've gone through, but they've weathered through them. But what we've got now is a generation of people, uh, more than one generation of people who grew up in divorced homes. And, and, and so they don't even have any kind of a, uh, you know, an example to see what a marriage is supposed to be like, how you're supposed to tough it out. And now Tom Brady's kids are not going to have that either. You, times get tough. You get tired of each other. You grow apart, which is what she said in her statement. You grow apart. Uh, bye bye. I mean, come on. And how are you supposed to build a marriage when you're an older child? off of that when you don't have that example. So, and I'm not picking on the Brady's. They're not unique in this, but I think that unfortunately this has generational mm -hmm. impact. Right. So her decision was, I quit. Well, I think his decision was, I quit to run back to the football field. And she finally went, I can't just right, keep pushing rocks her. uphill here. But what's, what's, wait a minute. Okay. So she, this, did she have no biblical reason for this? Oh, I don't think they, I don't know that they're believers. I've never heard one peep out of either one of them that would indicate that they are. I'm not saying they aren't, but I, I've never heard anything that, that reflects that at all. In fact, right. so in that guys, case, there were then, pictures of her. What? I was going to say there were pictures recently of her going to some healer who was shaking, you know, incense or something uh, around her car or something to clear out the bad spirits. So I'm going with no Bible on this one. I'm sort of surprised it didn't work. Wow. I mean, did he shake him hard? <laughs> was it lackluster? Is this stuff supposed to? I'm, so I'm the, saying push it through a car wash. Yeah. No, but my day, point about you know, that I'm, is, so 
we have in the Christian faith, we have a very small, very finite, very exact set of circumstances under which you are allowed to end the marriage. Right. And true. I don't believe my husband works a bunch is one of them. And look, I'm not trying to judge because, uh, 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 well, no, that's not true. I'm discerning. Uh, the Lord will judge. I don't get to judge, but I can discern and I can compare against God's word. And I, I guess I would put it this way, you know, to wrap it up, perhaps um, they both got treasures on earth. So that's good. All right. No, you're right about that. That's not a biblical reason to get divorced, but I guess she just got tired of, you know, pushing rocks uphill and making all the effort. I'm not defending her because I don't know what she's like to live with. So who knows what the truth is between these? It just looks like a guy who's letting his ego and what he wants to do uh, dictate his life as opposed to what his family needs. And that's pretty lousy as far as I'm concerned. And women do it all the time, too. You you told me about a funny meme about supermodels. I want you to say that. That was funny. That was... It reminded me of a poster I once saw with a really beautiful woman on it. And it said, somewhere, some guy's tired of doing her. (laughs) (laughs) Couldn't have just said being with her. Couldn't have just cleaned it up. Okay, sorry. Okay, we can edit this. Okay, somewhere, the poster is a beautiful woman. She's a model. Yeah. Okay, we're not editing anything. Okay, all right. No, I'm going to let people hear the experiment raw. I decided this is like um, this is like unplugged. You know, it's been a casual event, and Heidi and I um, trying this experiment together, and sort of, you know, what I what I hope people would take from this in in all of this, because I do think there's a through line. Someone somewhere needed to go to the Pelosi's and say, "Hey, um, you guys are so far away from God," and Nancy, you're not a Catholic. You've excommunicated yourself when you say, <laughs> right. no, truly. No, she's not. I mean, from Catholic dogma, the, their own, the catechisms of the Catholic Church state, if you're unrepentant on killing babies, you done excommunicated yourself. She's not only unrepentant, she mm-hmm. is the number one promoter of killing babies, sterilizing kids, et cetera, ad nauseum, insider trading, uh, lying. Her daughter celebrated the attack against Rand Paul. She, Nancy Pelosi herself, said she wanted to punch Trump in the face um, someone somewhere, if it was 30 years ago, had gone to them and said, you are so apart from God. You're so far from God. We wouldn't be in this circumstance to this young man who's allowed to store himself on the streets. San Francisco does not restore people. And no one has gone to him and said, brother, you're lost and we love you. And look, let's get you off the streets. Maybe people have tried and he said no. All the way up to the highest heights of financial and sports and supermodel success no one could go to Tom Brady and say, brother, six Super Bowls is good. Seven is great. Just get out. Go be a husband. And it's funny what happens in the through line here. What do we see? Fleshly desires, unrestrained, uncompared against what God would have us do. And they're ignoring the creator of the universe, the guy who created our uh, instruction manual manual for our souls and our bodies. And look at what that has done for them. Do you think that's a through line? That's right. No, that yeah. is a through line, and that's a thread that winds through through mankind. I mean, absolutely it does, and it's unfortunate. Yeah, but uh, you know what Satan said, surely you won't die, and yet you will. <laughs> and then, and, as you mentioned, the victimhood earlier, ever since there yeah. were two people on the earth, one was blaming the other. Hey, it's your fault. That woman yeah. you gave me, it's <laughs> she. she's the one who made me do it. Right. Not my God fault. God didn't buy it. God didn't buy it. All right. That's the experiments. Uh, Herman and Harris, my friend Heidi Harris, and a link to her work in the show notes, of course. Now, please do go be well, be strong, be kind, and stay in abidance 
with the Holy Spirit and the Lord Jesus. That's the way to do it.